You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Um, Today, uh, we're we're beginning a new series. We're looking at something different in the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bible, open to the book of Galatians. Galatians is in the New Testament. This is my Bible. This is the front of my Bible. This is the back of my Bible. So we're getting pretty far back there. Uh, If you get to uh, the New Testament, you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then you get 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and then Galatians. Right after the Corinthians is Galatians, then it goes Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So that lets you know where you are uh, in, in the Bible. We're going to be working through the book of Galatians for the next, I don't know, it's going to be a good number of weeks that it's going to take us to get through the book of Galatians. We're going to gather together and learn about what's going on in the time when Paul wrote this letter and what that letter means to us today. The book of Galatians uh, was written, it's probably Paul's earliest letter, the very first letter that we have from the Apostle Paul to one of the very first church communities. It's written kind of to a, a group of churches that he had started on his first missionary journey. And he's writing back to these churches to encourage them to stay true to the gospel, right? That they will find freedom in the gospel and not freedom in anything else. Because what had happened in that church was that there were people who had come into that church after Paul had left and gone to start other churches on his missionary journey as he continued going forward. And and, and they had come in and swept in after Paul had laid the foundation and began to teach things that were contrary to what Paul had said. And basically what they were teaching is um, you need to have faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. By the way, that's true. You need faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. But you also need to fulfill all of these rules and requirements. And if you fulfill those rules and requirements and have faith in Jesus, then you will have eternal life. And they were saying faith plus works equals eternal life. And that is not true. There is nothing that you do. There is no righteous deed that you can do. There's no good work that you can do that earns you any bit of good glory with God. God is not impressed by your good works. God is impressed by the good work of Jesus Christ. There is nothing else that can be added to it. And anything you were to add to what Jesus did is just going to detract from what Jesus has already done. Don't try to leech on to what Jesus has done and add your own filth to it. Let Christ be the bearer of salvation for mankind. And Paul writes this letter to a troubled church in a troubled time to bring them peace to talk about freedom today. But he begins his letter like this. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle not from men, uh, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, uh, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches... Of Galatia. Paul starts out, and it's the beginning of a typical Pauline letter. He gives his name, Paul, and he says, uh, This is who I am and who I'm writing to. Paul to the churches in Galatia. But he doesn't just stay with a simple greeting, he gives a little bit of his personal pedigree. Right? When, when, when Paul writes to them, he doesn't write to them as Paul, the father of your church, the person who started your church, though he could have written that. He doesn't write it, Paul, the man who did all these things in his former life and is going to 
and now God has transformed to do all these things in his new life. No, he doesn't write that. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, an apostle, uh, uh, right, an apostle, uh, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. He says, guys, I am an apostle. Apostle is a weird word. We don't use it today except to talk about New Testament believers, but an apostle is someone who has a special commissioning, and they were sent by God to do something special. They were sent out for the glory of God to do something special, similar to what a missionary would do today, but with a a, a special touch from Jesus Christ himself. The apostles would include the 11 disciples, minus or without Judas, Matthias, and Paul, right? Those are your 13 apostles of the New Testament, And Paul is saying, I am that person. Paul's saying, you're going to listen to me because I have a very special authority, right? Not all authorities are worthy of being listened to and obeyed. But as we know in our lives and in Paul's life, there are certain authorities that must be obeyed. I have a slew of children. I can't keep up with how many, and sometimes it changes. But I got a lot of kids in my house, okay? And when you have as many children as I have, they're always everywhere, right? I don't know. I walk into my house, and I see a kid here, and I'm like, okay, where are the other kids? And they're like, oh, there's kids here and here and here. They're literally in every room of every house on Yokely, I think. I don't think they're even just in my house. They're just all over the place, okay? And so I'm like, where are my kids at? And Sometimes I need my kids to come to me for some reason, right? Maybe I need to tell them it's dinner time, or maybe I need to tell them they need to come so that they can do uh, this specific thing that needs to be done. And I don't like searching for my children. It, it doesn't bring me joy to search for my children. So what I do is I find a child, and I make them search for the child, okay? And so maybe I find Hannah, and I'm like, Hannah, go tell Julian to come here. Right now, Hannah is Julian's peer. They're, they're the same age. They're six weeks apart between them, right? They call themselves twins. It's a weird twinship when you're six weeks apart, but that's a problem for another day. <clears throat> and so Hannah and Julian are peers. Hannah has no special authority over Julian. She doesn't ha- command him and tell him what to do. But when I tell Hannah to go get Julian, she goes to Julian and says, Dad says you need to come. And as soon as she says, Dad says you need to come, Julian is not listening to Hannah. She's listening to the authority behind Hannah. You understand what I'm saying? When, when Hannah speaks with my name behind it in my house, it carries special authority. In a couple of years, when Ezekiel is able to speak more words than he speaks now, when he's able to communicate better than he com- can communicate now, this little four-year-old is going to have the authority of his father on him at times to go and share my word. And when that four-year-old speaks words from his father, you better listen. Right? It doesn't matter that he's four. It doesn't matter that, that he, he has no real authority on his own. His authority comes from the person standing behind his word. And so long as he speaks from me, every word he says is gospel truth in my house, and you better listen to it. Right? Because he comes in my authority. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Galatia, and he's like, guys, y'all may not respect who I am right now because people have been bad-mouthing me for the last you know, year or so. You might have some, some differing views about what's going on, but you better listen to me because there is an authority behind me. 
The one standing behind me is Jesus Christ and God the Father. And you're going to listen to what he has to say. Paul is setting the church up to know that when he speaks, he's not speaking from his own man perspective, right? He's not an apostle of man or from man, right? He's not uh, commissioned by some person somewhere. He's speaking with the authority of God behind him. See, the teachers that would come into Galatia and teach the churches around there, when they would come in, they would carry these long letters with them. They'd be like, hey, I'm Matt Higginbotham, and it was almost like their, their resume, right? They'd be like, here are my references, right? And there's a long list of references, like, well, here's this teacher, and this teacher, and this pastor, and this leader, <clears throat> and they would come in and say, listen to me, because all of these people stand behind me. And that's okay, right, to have uh, people behind you. It gives your message more meaning. Paul says, I don't have any of those names on my resume. The only name that I'm carrying with you is the name of Jesus Christ and God the Father. And you're going to listen to what I have to say. Guys, there are authorities that must be obeyed at all times. God's authority is the ultimate authority. The one who spun the world into existence is the ultimate authority. Paul says, I'm coming with his authority. Guys, today we, we have something of similar authority. It is this wonderful little brown leather book in my hand. Maybe you have one on your phone or in your hand in a different color. That book is the authorized word of Jesus Christ. You know, the King James Version gets the authorized, you know, sometimes it's the authorized version. <clears throat> and I don't know about the whole authorized version concept. I, I don't necessarily buy that's the only authorized word of God. But the truth is, when God gave us his word, he speaks truth is. And so we, as believers, listen to this authority because, guys, there are certain authorities that must be obeyed. And when God's word is being given, we obey God's word. It's what we do. Continuing on, verse 3, it says, Grace to you in peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul gives his resume, his credentials, which is God stands behind me, and then he turns and he's like, now let's talk about the God who is standing behind me in case you Galatians have forgotten. See, we forget sometimes what God has done. We forget sometimes what God is doing in the world around us. But Paul never forgot. He says, I'm writing to you with grace and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ, and let me tell you what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do, right? Verse 4, he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and father jesus christ reconciled us to god you were a sinner wicked lost in your sin and helpless in that state unable to rescue yourself unable to to make it make it right with god and you tried various things you thought if you would sacrifice more you would give more, maybe if you would do those things, then, then you'd be okay with God. But you recognize, the longer you live, 
And the harder you try, the worse you get. How terribly, terribly sad that is. But Jesus Christ came to stop that. He rescued us from ourselves, from the sin of our lives, from the things that we struggle with, and gave us eternal life. He delivered us from sins. Guys, we have peace with God because God rescued us. We have peace with God because God rescued us in Christ. And Paul is writing with the authority of Jesus Christ, and the authority of Jesus Christ matters because no one else can rescue Bad time to have a coffee to put in the middle of a pandemic. Can you give me a water in my office? No one else can rescue like Jesus Christ. Right? There's, there's a variety of things out there that people try. But no one else rescues like Jesus. And Paul writes from the authority of Jesus. In the authority of Christ. In the authority of God the Father. He says, you're going to listen to me. Because I have God backing me. And in case you forgot, God is the one who brought peace to you. You were an enemy of God. Lost in your sin. Totally separated from God. Unable to be drawn back. And then he brought you back to him. He made peace to himself for you. And the Galatian church had forgotten that. Their, their life had turned into a works-based church. They believed that if they would do enough things, thank you, if they would work enough things out then, they'd be okay. But that's not true. In the church today, we fall into that same trap, guys. Right, we, we, we love adding things to faith. Right, we, we think, well, sure, I was saved by grace through faith, but like, I, I, I really try to be good. Some of you may be at church today because you think, man, I need to be here so that I can be good. So I can get that checkbox in heaven. You know, God does not check your church attendance card when you get to the pearly gates. It doesn't happen. I am not the bouncer at heaven's gates. And I'm like, I haven't seen you in a while. You get to go down there, right? You get in because of what Jesus has done. All the things we add on to faith, and we're going to talk about that for the next several weeks. We're going to talk about things that we add into faith, right? Little corruptions to the true gospel. And little people who've gone around corrupting the gospel. We're going to spend some time talking about those, but for us today, we need to know there's nothing we can add to what Jesus did. Jesus' record is great. And because Jesus' record is great, when Jesus speaks, we listen. When Jesus is communicating through Paul, we listen. When Jesus is communicating through his word, we listen. And guys, that is a big ask, right? Because God's word is outdated, says culture. God's word is it's no longer applicable, says culture. I read pastors from other denominations. Pastors, people who should 
know and love the word of God, and they don't take it literally or seriously. Um, my sister-in-law lives up in Dallas, and she sent me a text message, and she said, I just drove by uh, a church sign. I won't tell you what the denomination of the church is. I drove by a church sign, and it says, this is what the sign said, outside the front door of the church, right? It says, take the Bible seriously, not literally. Right, right? Like, take it seriously, not literally. Don't, don't, don't actually read it for what it says. Just kind of be serious about what it means underneath what it says. It's a major denomination. And on, on the outside, on the marquee of their church, they're saying, don't listen to the authority of God. Kind of listen to the, the essence of what God is trying to say. Kind of feel out what God is trying to say. Don't, don't listen to the authority of God, because you know what? We hate authority. There's a reason that 13-year-olds are turds. That's a biblical word, right? I got two of them. There's a reason 13-year-olds really are difficult people. That's better. You know why 13-year-olds are difficult people? Because they have finally learned inside of themselves that they have opinions that they think are right, and they're always wrong. Right? I mean, rarely is a 13-year-old like, and now I'm going to solve the, the war problem across the world. Peace will come through my, my opinions. They're always wrong always stupid it's the same thing when they get to be like 16 year olds and you give them car keys man they, they just they get dumb right right they, they think they know and what they're doing in that process is they're beginning to develop their self-identity who they are and so all the authorities that are on them they've always trusted <coughs> you know dad says this so it must be true mom says this so it must be true all of a sudden, they're questioning all of those things. And that's good and healthy, and, and I'm glad they do it. But in the process of questioning authority, right, sometimes they throw off authority that, that, that they shouldn't, and then they get in trouble. They get consequences for it. As, as believers, guys, we're still in the process of living under authority of what God says. And it's difficult sometimes to just submit ourselves and say, you know what? God's word is clear. And since it's clear, I'm just going to trust what it says. Right? You, you may not like what God's word says, but you know what? It doesn't matter. I tell my 13-year-olds this. I tell my, my, my 17-year-old hears this sometimes. Like, what you think about this situation doesn't matter. Your opinion here doesn't matter because it's not an opinion-based situation. It's a fact situation. And where there's truth, we trust truth, even if everything we say, everything in us says, that's not right. We live under the authority of God in his word. And guys, you know what? That's okay to live under the authority of God's word, because th that God whose authority we live under, who has ultimate authority, he loves us and reconciled us to himself. The God who reconciled the world to himself. That's an act of great love. He has ultimate authority. How great is that, right? <clears throat> Imagine if it was the other way around. Imagine if, if this was a God who was hateful and vengeful. Like if you read in Greek mythology, or if, you, if you've read some of the views of, of how Allah can be perceived 
uh, at times, right? There is an idea of, like, that God is not super personable. Doesn't always care, especially Greek mythology. They don't care about people at all. We're objects in their game. How, How great is it that our God isn't that sort of God? He cares about you enough to send his son to die on the cross so that you and God could be reconciled forever. That's a loving God, and if he loves you that much, and he's the same God who created the world, who spun the world into existence, that God who reconciled us has final and ultimate authority. Submit yourself to that authority. Church, today, stop reading God's word to find what you want it to say, and read God's word and let it say what it truly says. It's okay that you don't like it. There are parts of scripture that I read sometimes and I'm like, ooh, I would have worded that differently. I would have written that differently. I would have handled that situation differently. Right? But I'm not God. I don't know everything about the whole function of this universe. And so I submit myself in my ignorance to say, you know what? You love me enough to reconcile me to you. So I'm going to trust you with the final word in my life. Who has the final word in your life, church? Who are you trusting with the final word in your life? Is it God or is it something else? Is it, is, is it the wisdom of your father or your mother? Is it God or is it, or is it what your teacher told you way back in the day? Is it God or is it what your own heart desires? You know the worst advice you can give someone, by the way, right, when they're in the middle of a crisis and they're looking for guidance? Follow your heart. And we love that advice, though, right? Like, you got someone, and they've got, like, two, two paths they can go on. And you're like, man, just follow your heart. What's your heart telling you to do? You know, the Bible tells us the heart is, is wicked and deceitful above all. Right, don't follow your heart. It's, it's probably wrong. Let God's word be the final authority in your life. And that means that you have to read God's word. And you need to pick up your Bible between today and next Sunday. And you need to read God's word because God has something to say to you. The God who reconciled us to himself, he loves you. And he has final and ultimate authority. Paul is writing from that perspective. As we're going to continue through the book of Galatians for the next several weeks, we're going to see that Paul is writing from the perspective of someone who has authority given to him from the God who reconciled the world to himself. Guys, trust that God. And just as an aside note, just something on the side, one of your jobs as someone who sits in this room or on the internet over there, hey guys, um, one of your jobs for someone who sits and listens to sermons is to understand like this guy right here, he is not God. I do not have ultimate authority on what God says. I try to tell you the truth about what God says. I really do. I work very hard to tell you the truth about what God's word says. But you are responsible for for examining what I tell you, lining it up against the whole of Scripture and making sure that I haven't perverted it in some way. Because there are way too many pastors who have taken God's word and unsuspecting congregations and abused them with it. Like, trust me, love me, care about me, 
let God's word have the final authority. I give you permission. Proof check everything I've said. Trust God first. Because no person, yourself or me, or the people from yesteryear who loved you and invested in you, has the authority to speak authoritatively to you like God does through his word. Let's pray.